Hey, this is Chris Hour, and I'm the Young Adults Pastor at Grace Outreach Church. God has blessed us to have an amazing young adults ministry called Rise Up, where every week young people get to come together to worship God, to dive into the Word through our small groups, and be a part of a family that believes that God wants to use each of us to grow the kingdom of God. We're about to dive into the scripture that we've been talking about in our small groups. So I hope this podcast encourages you. I hope it builds your faith. And I hope it reminds you that you're beautifully and wonderfully made. And that God has a purpose for your life. And that the best is yet to come. I hope you enjoy the message. Well, we're diving in today into our second week of looking at this scripture in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. I know I read most of it last week, but uh, I only got through a couple verses because there's just so much good stuff. So I wanted to go back into this and just spend some more time talking with you guys um, about what Paul's saying in this in this end of this chapter, what he's saying in this book, in this letter, um, and just dive in that, you know, how does this apply to us today as believers. Um, so last week we kind of looked at verses 31 through 36 and I'm going to read through all of them again. And, you know, we're going to talk about all of them, but I'm going to try to get to those last couple of verses so we can just conclude what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter eight. Um, but I'm just going to read them all for us quick and then we're going to dive into this. So Romans chapter eight, verses 31, Paul says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Is it not God who justifies? Who then can condemn? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen and amen. I'm getting stirred just reading that. Uh, would you guys pray with me quick before we dive in? Father, Lord, I thank you, God, for these moments, Jesus. I thank you for your grace, Father. Lord, I thank you for your love, Jesus. God, I pray that you would speak through this word, God. Lord, God, you see that we need you. Lord, we see, God, that we are broken without you. But God, I believe that you have a plan for each of our lives, God. I believe that right now in this moment that we are all exactly where we need to be, Lord. So I pray that we could submit ourselves to your spirit. Holy Spirit, speak through me right now. Let them not be my words, but your words, God. And I thank you for every single person that's listening to this, Lord. I pray that you'd fill them with faith and that they would know, God, that the best is yet to come, Jesus. Lord, let let them speak that over themselves today, God. That the best is yet to come, Father. So Lord, I thank you for them. In your name I pray, amen. Amen and amen. All right, well, you know, we talked last week, uh, we went through, you know, the first couple verses, verses 31 and a couple ones after that. And, you know, when you start in verse 31 again, Paul says, you know, what then shall we say in response to these things? And he talked about what that meant, that the response was a couple verses later and all the chapters before where Paul's talking about um, that our salvation, our strength, our power is not in 
our righteousness, but in God's righteousness. And then in verse 28 of the uh, eighth chapter, you know, he says our famous line of, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Um, and, you know, that's what he's saying now in verse 31 is he's saying, you know, what do we say in response to all these things in response to, you know, God's righteousness in response to, you know, even in the chapter before he's talking about present suffering. Um, you know, what do we say in response to these things? And he says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And I think that even just that verse, you guys, that gives us so much peace um, in saying that if God's for me, then nobody can be against me, that it doesn't matter who is against me, that if, if God is for me, if, if the creator of the heavens and the earth and the creator of um, the air and the trees and the grass, the one that holds the world together, the one, the God that, that woke you up this morning, if he's for you, right? The God that, that, that raised the dead, that made the sick walk, that, you know, made the lame walk, that made the, the blind see. If that God is for you, the one that spoke this whole universe that you know into existence, if he is for you, then who can be against you? And I just think that gives us so much peace. And I think that as believers, yes, God is for us. But the thing I want to dive into a little bit as we're looking at purpose is asking the question of God, you know, what I'm doing in my life, is, is that a part of your plan? Because God is, is for us, but God is for his will being done. And so when we align ourselves with the will of God, that's when we start to see favor in our lives, right? That we always talk about how as believers, we receive favor from God. Well, I believe that the favor that I get from God is when I'm in my, my God-given calling, right? When I'm walking by the Spirit, when I'm doing what God's called me to do, that's when I receive the favor of God. And so as a, as a believer, I always want to be asking myself, God, am I doing what you called me to do, Lord? Right. And I think it's so easy, you know, you know, especially as young people, as we're as we're laying up foundations for the rest of our lives, right? That right now, if you're, you know, a young person or even, you know, an older person, you know, you are uh, making decisions right now in your life that are going to um, determine the trajectory of your life, whether it's a job, whether it's a spouse, whether it's, um, you know, where you're going to live, whether it's uh, your friends that you're living with, whatever that might look like, whether it's the, the you know, the major you're going to get. Those are all huge decisions in your life. And, and I can tell you that the enemy wants to do whatever he can. Thank you, Papa. The enemy wants to do whatever he can to, to get you to deviate from the purpose that God has on your life. And so what happens in the issue is that we make these huge life decisions without really asking God about what the purpose is for our lives, right? So as a believer, what my job should be is my job should be, you know, okay, God, before I make this decision, Lord, I should be asking you, God, do you want me to major in this, Lord? Do you want me to go to this school? God, do you want me to date this person, Lord, right? So many of us, we get in relationships with people that we never really ask God about, right? We ran into that relationship because they were attractive or because they looked good or they sounded good or because of whatever reason, and we get into these situations that, that God is sitting there and he's like, that wasn't a part of my plan for your life, right? That you got into that situation without even asking God about it. And then the best part is that we get upset with God and we start blaming God when things go wrong. When in the first place, you didn't even ask God if you were supposed to get into that situation. Right. And then we start saying, oh, God's not real because, you know, I got hurt or because this didn't work out. And it was like, OK, well, did you honestly seek the Lord on whether or not you're supposed to do that? Right. And then like the best part that I've done in my life is, you know, I'm like, OK, you know, I'm going to pray about it or ask about it. But I know that I'm only OK with one answer. Right. That it's like, OK, you know, I'm going to ask God about it. But if it's a no, then I'm going to do it anyway.
right? Or if it's a no, right? Like there's like no room in your head for there being a possible no, right? And if you're going into a situation praying about something and there is no even option in your head of it being a no, then I would say you're not authentically um, surrendering your decision to the Lord. And that's where I think we need people in our lives that we trust, where we can say, you know, hey, I'm really biased about this. You know, I need your help. And so we got to ask, is God for us? Is God for me getting this job? Is God for me getting in this relationship? Because God, ultimately, I want to be in your will, God. Because if I'm in your will, God, then nobody can be against me, God. If I'm in your will, then everything's going to work out, right? The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added to you, Lord. So if I'm going to trust you in that if, if, if I don't get the job that I thought I wanted, if I don't get the relationship that I thought I wanted, God, my form of sacrifice to you is to trust you. It's not going to be easy, God, but I'm going to trust you and say, okay, God, if I didn't get that, Lord, then there must be something better for me. And so Paul reminds us of that in verse 31. And then he goes on in verse 34, and I love this, as he says, who then can condemn, right? And in verse 33, one before, he says, who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It is God who justifies, right? I think so much of our, our struggle here on earth is that we are constantly trying to justify ourselves, right? That we're constantly trying to prove ourselves. We're constantly trying to prove to ourselves that we are good enough, um, that we have checked enough boxes in our life, that we're smart enough, that we're good looking enough, that we talk well enough, that we have enough friends, and then somehow that justifies us. And what that does is when you allow your righteousness, right? That, because Paul's talking about God's righteousness, but when you allow your righteousness to be the justification for who you are, then that opens the the uh, the door for the enemy to start to condemn you, right? Paul says in verse 34, says, who then can condemn? No one, right? He says, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. In other words, what happens is that when I mess up in my life, right? When I do, um, when I hurt somebody that I love or when I keep struggling with a temptation or something like that, the enemy tries to bring condemnation on me and saying, you know, you know, oh, you're not good enough, or you know, you're never going to be good enough, or you keep hurting these people, right? But in reality, what I need to do as a believer, right, that's washed by the blood of Jesus, that I need to understand and I need to tell the enemy, I need to tell the devil that no, you know, I am not righteous without God, but you cannot condemn me because my righteousness doesn't come from me, right? That my righteousness does not come from my works, right? That it was Jesus that died on the cross, it was Jesus that lived a perfect life, I didn't live a perfect life, right? It was Jesus that was in the grave for three days, right? I wasn't in the grave for three days. And then it was Jesus that was raised from the dead that conquered death. I didn't do that, right? And so because Jesus was the one that did it, that means that you cannot condemn me for my righteousness because my righteousness comes from the love of my Father. My righteousness comes from the fact that while I was still a sinner, my God died for me. That my God said, no, you're worth it. My God said, no, I'm going to give up my son, right? That I'm going to give up my son to die on a cross for you. And so when Paul says, who then can condemn us? He says, no one, right? Because it was Christ who died, right? But I think so much of us, you guys, my, my, my prayer for this is that I think the enemy has been condemning so many of us, right? The enemy has been trying to convince us that you're not good enough, right? That you mess up or you keep, you know, or you're, 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 you're not where you used to be, or you're not, um, you're not where you wish you would have been right now. And so you start getting down on yourself and the enemy says, you know, you're not good enough. And you start agreeing with them and you just say, yeah, you know, I'm not good enough. 
but I think so much of it, you guys, that we need to learn how to talk to ourselves, right? As I've been walking more with the Lord now, I've learned that I need to keep talking to myself more and more, right? That as believers, we should be people that are walking around just talking to ourselves all the time, right? We should be those, those people that people look at and they're like, what are they doing? This guy's just talking to himself, right? But I need to talk to myself more and more because I need to say you know, to myself, no, you are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. No, you are anointed. No, you do hear from the Lord. No, you are the righteousness of God. No, you are loved because the enemy is going to continue to try to condemn you. And if you just listen and sit back and be passive in that, then you're going to start sitting in that. And that's going to start to manifest itself and you starting to speak that over yourself, right? And then what you do is you allow the enemy to actually start to steal your peace, right? You actually allow him to start stealing your joy or your love, right? And the enemy starts to steal that from you. And the idea of it though, you guys, is that the problem isn't that the enemy is stealing your peace. The problem is that we are putting our peace in things that are not consistent. That we're putting our peace, we're putting our joy in things that are of this world, right? That we walk around and we we put our peace on our job. We put our peace on our relationships. We put our peace on our future, right? We put our peace on our looks. And that's all fine and good until like, okay, like for example, you know, you put your peace, you put your joy in how you look. Well, that's all great until somebody comes into your life or somebody walks into the room that is more physically attractive than you, right? And then everything starts to fall apart. Or we put our joy or our peace in our grades until you take a class that's really hard for you and you get a bad grade. And then all of a sudden your peace is absolutely gone. Right, And the reason why I think that those things are difficult is because those things are not consistent. Right, The only thing that is consistent that will never fail is your Father. The only one that's consistent is saying that my peace, my joy comes from the fact that I am loved by God. That comes from the fact that I am beautifully and wonderfully made perfect in His image. Now, I'm not saying... And we're not going to have moments of anxiety or moments of worry because we're human and God knows that. But what I'm saying is that the the process of something happens and we feel that anxiety, we feel that worry or we feel the peace start to leave us. But then the next step, you guys, is very important. And that next step is I believe that where a lot of you are at right now is that God wants you to start changing what that next step is, right? That That the moment comes, there's anxiety, there's worry, there's frustration, there's anger, and that's all fine because you're human. But the next step what you do next determines everything it determines who you're giving glory to right what happens next is you can either give into that and start repeating what you heard and then you're giving the enemy glory because you're saying oh, i'm not good enough or, i'm never going to be good enough or, i'm not pretty enough or, i'm not smart enough and then you start to go down that route with the enemy and that's a really difficult and slippery and fast route to go down or what happens is it can come and you can say no you know you can you can run to the word and say no you know i am the righteousness of god that i am going to get better that god's going to use this for his glory that my righteousness doesn't come from me it comes from my father and those are two very different responses that i think the enemy has been getting you with and he's been um, attacking you he's been taking advantage of you with that but god really wants you to start changing your thought process with that and so i want you to be very intentional with that this week of how am I responding to those things? Am I giving God glory or am I giving the enemy power over me? And because Paul says in verse 35, he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I love that, right? This verse is all about love. This 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 chapter, it's all about love. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And I think this verse you know, this verse really stood out to me um, because when I read this verse and I've read this verse 
you know, a lot of times is that every time I read this verse, I read verse 35 as, you know, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? And I know I talked about this last week a little bit, but, you know, Paul says intentionally, he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ, right? And then he lists all of these things that when you first look at them on the surface, they look like that they're all things, right? They look like, you know, trouble, hardship, persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. But in reality, Paul says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ. And so what I started hearing the Holy Spirit remind me is that all of these things, right, trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, yes, these are all things that happen, but these are also people, right, that Paul says who, right? So many times we look at these scriptures and we look at them in the natural realm, but in reality, we also need to remember that there's a duality to these things, that there is a natural realm, but there's also a spiritual realm, right? And that in the same way that Paul says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall trouble, right? Trouble is a, can be a person, right? Trouble is a thing, but trouble can have a physical manifestation of a person, right? Whenever, you know, we always talk about the Holy Spirit and, you know, something that believers always get, I think, mixed up on is that we forget that the Holy Spirit is, is, is a person, right? The Holy Spirit is is a person in the spirit realm. He is a part of the Godhead. He is a person. He has a personality, and those are the fruits of the spirit, right? Love, joy, love, joy, peace, faithfulness, gentleness, goodness. All those are personalities of the Holy Spirit. And you know, we see though on this earth, you know, right? The reality that we live in right now is that we see the natural realm, and yet we see physical manifestations of the spiritual realm, right? In Acts chapter two, when the Holy Spirit first came on the day of Pentecost, we saw that there was a mighty rushing wind, right? That the only physical manifestation of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that people physically saw in the natural realm was wind. Right, And so the spirit was moving and yet it was manifesting as wind. And then another time, you know, Jesus is getting baptized and the Bible says that the heavens opened up and that a dove descended on him and landed on his shoulder. And so in that situation, the Holy Spirit was being manifested as a dove. And I think that's so important because as believers, we need to remember that the Holy Spirit can manifest himself in so many different ways, right? That so many of us, we've been looking for the Holy Spirit to manifest himself as um, as goosebumps, right? And as a feeling, right? And that's great. You know, sometimes the Holy Spirit will, you know, you know, will come on you and you will feel those goosebumps and you'll feel his presence. But some of us, we feel that once and that's the only way that we're expecting God to move, right? And if we don't feel the feeling, then we don't think that the Holy Spirit's there, right? That the devil will start to convince you that, oh, I'm not anointed because I don't feel this feeling while I'm saying this. Or, you know, I'm talking, you know, as I'm talking, I don't feel anything. And so I don't believe that God's there. But the Holy Spirit has so many manifestations. And so God wants us to start to expand our faith, to stretch our faith, to understand that God is way more than a feeling, right? That, that you can be saying something, you can be speaking a word to somebody and you could even not feel it in the moment, but God tells you to walk by faith and not by sight. And so we need to start having faith that God, I'm anointed, God, that even if I don't feel the goosebumps, God, and God, if I'm worshiping you, God, and I don't feel your presence, God, that I'm going to give you a sacrifice of praise, God. Hallelujah, Lord. Because God, you're worthy of the praise, Jesus. God, and I believe, God, that you are more than just a feeling. And so just in the same way that the Holy Spirit is a person, we need to start understanding that the devil and the things that the devil tries to use to attack us can have manifestations through people, right? That he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He says, shall trouble, right? And so there are moments, there are seasons in your life where the enemy will bring trouble into your life and that trouble will be manifested through a specific person, right? That the enemy will bring hardship into your life 
And that hardship will be manifested through a specific person, right? That there will be persecution in your life and that persecution will be manifested by, by a specific person. But not only that, is that so much, you guys, we get so focused on the attacks, right? We get so focused on what people are saying to us, but you forget that there's somebody behind that, right? That there's a spirit behind that person, right? That you have that one person in your life that always is speaking negativity over you, right? That they're always trying to cut you down. They're always trying to make you feel insecure, right? And you've been so focused on that person, on that person, on that person. But what you need to realize is that that person actually has a spirit on them. Hallelujah. And God wants to teach you that today, that there's a spirit on that person. And that when that person's speaking that to you, that that person isn't the one that's speaking it. It's the spirit that's inside of them that's speaking that. And so what we need to do, right, is Paul says that we need to fight the good fight, right? Paul says that we need to fight the good fight of faith. And I think so many of us, we get so focused and we focus so much of our energy and our time on fighting other people, right? And fighting what people are saying about us and fighting what people are thinking about us and fighting what we think about ourselves. And by the time we get done fighting all the people around us, when we finally get to the enemy, we are way too exhausted to even fight him, right? Because we're so busy fighting the bad fight that I don't even have enough energy to fight the good fight, right? That I don't have enough energy to fight the fight of love. I don't have enough energy to fight the fight of forgiveness, right? That so many of us are walking around with seeds of bitterness in our lives. And can I tell you that those seeds of bitterness that you're holding against somebody in your life that hurt you, that what they're doing is they're actually taking the joy away from your life. They're actually taking the peace away from your life. That seeds of bitterness are trying to grow inside you. And the Bible says that we need to forgive each other, that we need to remember that we forgive each other because Christ first forgave us, right? That I have no reason to hold you accountable for things that you hurt me with because I know that I've done so many things in my life, right? The fact that Christ died for me, that he forgave me of my sins should compel me to forgive my brothers and sisters because I know that we're all broken people and we're all just trying to to love the Lord and love each other, but we're going to mess up. And so I need to let go of that hurt. I need to forgive you for hurting me. I need to love you. I need to serve you. But we need to remember that the things that you're going through, the natural things, right? That you wake up and you have anxiety, right? For some reason, you know, that it just happens to be, you know, that you're serving somebody. And then the next day you get hit with a bunch of depression, right? That you need to start to understand and track that when I get attacked by those things, that it's not just a natural thing. It's not just something that's happening right randomly that there's actually a spirit behind that and so Paul says all these things you know he says trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness right that there are actually people that make you feel naked right and I can explain that is that there are people in your life that make you feel vulnerable that make you feel insecure right there are people that will say things to you that make you feel insecure right that somebody that you know that you love will say something so hurtful and in your head you're like what in the world did they just say to me? Like, why did they say that? But what that person doesn't realize, you guys, is that that person was actually allowing themselves to um, have the enemy move through them, right? I'm not saying that they're the enemy, but I say that if we're not careful, that if I'm not careful, and I've done this in my own life, right? Where if I wasn't careful, I've said something that's, that's hurt somebody that I love, that I've allowed the enemy to plant a seed in my head, and I've said something without thinking, and the enemy's used me in that, right? And so when somebody says that to you, we get so angry and hurt at that person but what God wants us to see is that no 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 it wasn't the person it was the spirit behind it it was the person behind them it was the devil trying to get at you trying to separate you from the love of Christ because that's his whole agenda is to separate us 
from the love of Christ. And because what the devil will do is the devil will try to bring people into your lives that their sole purpose while they're in your life is to um, it's to stop you from getting into the calling that God has called you into, right? That he brings people into your lives to try to divert you from the purpose that you have in your life, right? When we look at the, um, at the Old Testament, right? You, you look at the um, Old Testament character named Samson, right? In Judges chapter 16, you can go look at it. Um, but Judges chapter 16, there's a man called Samson. A lot of us have heard of him. He's the strong guy that rips, you know, the, the jaw of the lion, you know, that tears down the walls. The super strong guy that had really long hair, couldn't cut his hair, right? And in Judges chapter 13, we are actually introduced to Samson. And it says that Samson's born and that God sets him apart. And God tells his parents that this is going to be the one that is going to deliver the Israelites from the Philistines, right? So Judges 13 you get the calling and the purpose of Samson. And then throughout the next three chapters, you see Samson grow up and uh, he likes women a lot. And he actually falls in love with a woman named Delilah. And um, later on in the Bible, it says that um, Samson was with her. And it says that the Philistine officials came to Delilah and said that you need to figure out where Samson gets his supernatural strength from, right? Because, because God gave him supernatural strength and that was all coming from his hair. And so um, you see this interaction between Samson and his wife, Delilah, um, where Delilah continuously tries to figure out what is the source of his strength. And so Samson finally tells her, and then we read that the Philistines, um, that she cuts his hair and the Philistines capture him and he ends up dying. And why I bring all that up is because what I see in Samson, Samson and Delilah is that Delilah, her assignment on her life, when I read this story, her assignment, what she was being used for in, in the Bible is that she was used by the enemy to deviate Samson from his purpose, that Samson had a calling on his life to be the deliverer of Israel. And, and I believe that the enemy sent Delilah into Samson's life to um, attack him and to deviate him from the purpose that Samson had on his life. And I believe that there are people in our lives that the devil will try to use to deviate you from your purpose. Now, I'm not saying that they are the devil because they're not, but people that aren't aware of the spirit realm, hallelujah, people that aren't aware of what's going on in the spirit realm don't understand that the devil is always trying to look to use us to speak negativity, to speak hurt in other people's lives. And so the enemy will actually bring people that are in your life specifically to try to separate you from the love of God, the people that are trying to stop you from going to church, people that are trying to make you feel like you're the weird one for worshiping God the way that you are, Make that, they, that, that the devil will bring people in your life that will try to make you feel like you're not good enough or try to make you feel insecure or that nakedness or that famine, right? And the devil will put people in your life to try to stop you from getting your purpose. Can I can tell you is that all of the attacks of the enemy, and I can say this for every single person, the attacks that the enemy brings into your life, no matter what it is, the sole purpose is to separate you from the love of God, right? The sole purpose of the enemy is to separate you from the love of God. That is his agenda. That is his goal, right? And all that he's trying to do is he's trying to separate you from God's love, right? That if he can, if he can convince you that you're not good enough, if he can convince you that you're not pretty enough, that you're not smart enough, right? If he can attack your finances or attack your body or attack your spirit, then he's hoping that he can take away your worship, that he's hoping that he can take away your joy and your peace and that you'll walk away from God. That is his 
whole agenda in this whole thing, right? That the, if the devil's attacking your body, hallelujah, then his whole agenda is not that you would walk around sick for a couple days. His agenda is that when you walk around sick, that you would stop worshiping God, that you would stop magnifying God. But instead as believers, when we start getting attacked, when we get sickness, when we get famine, when we get persecution, we should be saying that, man, this is actually, hallelujah, this is actually something that's telling me that I'm onto something good, that if the devil is wasting his time on little old me, that I must be valuable, right? Because the devil cannot be everywhere at once. He, he doesn't know everything at once. And so if he's attacking you, if he's attacking me, then that should trigger something in your head that you are doing something good, that it's because you are the righteousness of God. And so the devil's going to try to attack us. But the good news that we have is what Paul said. As Paul says in verse 37, and this is the big point that I'll close with, is that Paul says in verse 37, he says, no. And he says, no, in all of these things, right? Because in verse 36, he says, you know, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And he says, that is as written, right? He quotes Psalm 44, verse 22. He says, for your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered to be sheep. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. All right, we're going to go through stuff in this world. We're going to go through stuff. And if you look at uh, Psalm 44, the writer in Psalm um, verses 20 through 22, he's actually, you know, in this, in this state of mind, you know, verse 20 says, if we had forgotten the name of the Lord or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God have discovered it since he knows the secrets of the heart? And then verse 22, it says, yet for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. So Paul is quoting Psalm 44 and in Psalm 44, the writer in Psalm is going through this season of they're getting persecuted and yet they haven't turned away from the Lord. So in other words, they're doing everything right and yet they're getting attacked. And so the psalmist is saying, you know, God, if we had turned away from you, God, if we weren't doing what we were supposed to do, God, you would have known. But instead, we're doing what we're supposed to do. Yet, yet God, we're, we're considered as sheep that are being led to the slaughter. So in other words, you know, we're going to go through persecution. We're going to go through trials in this world. But what Paul says, he says, is this going to separate us from God's love? Is there anything that the enemy can do that can separate me from the love of God? Hallelujah. Paul says, no. He says, no, in all of these things, right? In the trouble, in the persecution, in the famine, in the nakedness, in the, in the insecurities and in the danger, in the parts of me that I don't like, in the parts of me that, that I didn't think that God made right, in the parts of me that keep messing up. In all of these things, I am more than a conqueror through him who loved us. Thank you, Father, Lord, that in all of these things, I am more than a conqueror through him who loved us. Man, that's amazing. Thank you, Lord. I thank God for this scripture. Paul says, in all these things, I'm more than a conqueror, right? And we read that and I love it. And it sounds so inspirational and so amazing. But I got to ask the question is, what is more than a conqueror, right? That I think of, you know, okay, God made me a conqueror. That means, you know, that I conquer things. That's great. But what is this, this idea of being more than a conqueror, right? And, and what does that mean, right? How can I be more than a conqueror? I get the conquering, but how can I be more than a conqueror? And I think what's amazing is that I actually looked up the word conquer in the Webster Dictionary. And the word conquer is defined as one who overcomes adversity. Conquer is one who overcomes adversity, right? And I think that's great because I, I see that in my life in terms of being a conqueror is that God made me 
As a believer, I have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me. And so because of that, I um, believe and I know that I will overcome adversity, that whatever the enemy brings my way, it might not feel good and it might be really difficult and there might be seasons of difficulty, but I believe that I am a conqueror. But Paul says that I'm more than a conqueror. And what that means is what I believe is that what more than a conqueror means is that one that not only overcomes adversity, but a lot of times, you know, you know, we'll just get through adversity, right? That's being a conqueror, right? Somebody that's just saying like, you know, I'm just going to get through it. You know, if you get through and get to the other side, you know, praise the Lord, you're a conqueror, you conquered it. That's great. But what Paul says is Paul says that I am more than a conqueror. And what that tells me is that I believe that there are, that there are things in my life that not only am I going to get through the adversity, but because I have the Holy Spirit inside of me, because I serve such a good God, that I am more than a conqueror. And that means that I'm not only going to get through the adversity in my life, but God's actually going to use that adversity to grow his kingdom. That God's actually going to use that very attack that the devil meant for evil. That very thing that was supposed to take me out is the very thing that's going to push me into my purpose. It's the very thing that's going to push me into my calling. Hallelujah. That he said in verse 28, right? He said that we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And that's what it means to be more than a conqueror. That not only am I going to get through this thing that's hurting me right now, not only am I going to get through this difficulty in my life, not only am I a conqueror, but I'm going to be more than a conqueror. That I'm actually going to use the thing that the devil meant for evil. And that's going to be the very thing that's going to equip me to do ministry. That's going to be the very thing that's going to equip Equip me to reach the lost, right? To encourage other people. Hallelujah. That that God is calling us to be more than a conqueror. And that's where we get to James chapter 1, right? Verses 1 through 2. And James says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, right? Because we know that trials produce perseverance, right? That we need to start shifting the way that we view the trials that we're going through. Because God says that we are more than a conqueror. God says that you, right now, listening to this in this very moment, that you are more than a conqueror, that the parts of you, the things in your past, right, that you don't like about yourself, the things in your past that have been, that the devil's been trying to condemn you with, the devil's been trying to weigh you down, that those are the things that God wants to use to advance his kingdom, that you are more than a conqueror, that you're not just going to get through the adversity, but you're actually going to come out on the other side stronger, hallelujah, and closer to God, and you're going to know his, his, his voice more and more, because when we go through trials, when we go through the fight, that's when we get refined, right? That so many of us, we are always chasing comfortability, right? That we're always chasing, you know, God, I want you to, you know, increase my capacity so that I can feel more comfortable, right? And or, God, I want you to take this problem away because I'm, I'm uncomfortable and I want to be comfortable, Lord. But God didn't promise us comfortability, right? That God promises, he said that, hey, the righteousness of God is going to be fulfilled in your life, that you are the righteousness of God, but many are the afflictions of the righteous. But God promises this and he promises is you right now that when you go through it, hallelujah, that I'm going to be with you, that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because God is walking with me, his, his right hand, hallelujah, oh God, you're good, God, it's going to comfort me, hallelujah, it's going to protect me, hallelujah, that God promises me that as I walk through the adversity, that I'm going to come out through the other side, and I'm going to come out not only a conqueror, but more than a conqueror, because I'm going to use the thing that I went through to actually grow the kingdom 
of God, then I'm going to take that anxiety that I went through and I'm going to use it to give God glory. I'm going to take the depression. And I'm going to take the heartache. I'm going to take that breakup and I'm going to use it to encourage other people. I'm going to take the divorce that happened in my life and I'm going to use it to propel me to be the man and woman of God. Hallelujah. To be the husband or the wife that I need to be. I'm going to take all the insecurities and I'm going to remember that it's because of the insecurities that I depend on God. Hallelujah. It's because of my past that I know how faithful God is, right? That we got to remember who was writing this letter, right? That it was Paul, right? That Paul is his apostle, but in Paul's previous life, in Paul's past, he was one that that persecuted Christians, that killed um, husbands and wives and sons and daughters. And so I can't imagine how many times, you guys, that Paul needed to remind himself that I am the righteousness of God. How many times the devil tried to remind Paul of what he did in his past? How many times that Paul was getting up to preach to people or to write a letter? And how many times as he was writing the letter, did Paul hear in his in his mind, you know, oh, you know, dude, you're writing this letter about faithfulness and about love, but do you remember when you were killing all these sons and daughters, right? How many times did the enemy try to bring up Paul's past? And how many times, hallelujah, did, did Paul go through beatings or stonings or shipwrecks or all these things? And yet through all that, Paul in his last verse, he says, he says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord that Paul said I am convinced in other words Paul was looking back on his life and he was saying that through all of my life through my struggles through my perseverance through the shipwrecks and the stonings and my past through all of it I've been through all of that and after I'm done with it all I can stand on the other side and I can say through all of that nothing can separate me from the love of my father that there's nothing that I can do that can take away my righteousness because my righteousness doesn't come from me that the devil can stop lying to me he can stop saying you're not righteous because I'm not without God I am not righteous without God I'm not good enough without God I can't love the people I need to love without God and as long as I think I can then I'm going to continue to hurt other people I'm going to continue to struggle but once I understand that my righteousness does not come from me it doesn't come from my past it doesn't come from my present or my future my righteousness comes from the fact that I have a father that is willing to send his son to die for me that I have a father that has given me a second third 20th chance and that as long as I continue to rely on him he's going to give me everything that I need because he made me more than a conqueror so whatever the devil might bring that I need to look at it and I need to consider it joy right that I might not feel joy, but I'm going to consider it joy because I know that I am more than a conqueror. So not only am I going to get through this season, not only are you going to get through the season of anxiety, not only are you going to get through this season of insecurity, not only are you going to get through this season of depression or financial instability, not only are you going to get through this season of physical sickness, but God's telling you right now, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, that when you get through this season, the person that you're going to be after the season is going to be strong. You're going to be, hallelujah, more intimate with the Lord. You're going to have a stronger faith. Hallelujah. And the devil knows that. So he's trying to get you, hallelujah, just to stop. But if you keep walking, if you keep moving, if you keep serving and keep loving and keep, hallelujah, dive into the word of God and keep praying and keep going to church and, and hang out with other believers, that I promise you that you are going to be more than a conqueror, that God will use the very things that you went through to grow the kingdom of God. That God is going to use those things that you don't like about yourself and that God's calling you to get into a space where you learn that everything that's happened to you, God let it happen for a reason. That might have not felt 
might have not felt good. It might have not been a great season. It might have been really difficult, and I can't imagine some of the things that you've been through, but I can tell you that my God is faithful. I can tell you that He uses the hard things in our lives, that He uses the seasons of growth. He uses the seasons of pain to be a place where we walk into our purpose. And so God uses that. And I'm thankful for that, as hard as it is, but Paul tells us that we are more than a conqueror, right? That he's convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And the goal for the enemy is to separate you from the love of God. It's not to hurt your body. It's not to hurt your mind. It's not to take away your job. His goal is to separate you from God's love. And if he can do that, then he knows that he's won. But we are more than conquerors. I know that there's nothing that the devil can do to take away my righteousness, to take away my salvation. And if I put my peace in God, if I put my peace in God's faithfulness and God's righteousness, then it will never run out. Then the devil can't touch it. And that as I serve and as I love other people, that I'm going to get my breakthrough. Hallelujah. That when I serve and love other people, when I forgive, when I uproot those seeds of bitterness in my life, that I'm going to see the Spirit of God manifested in my life. I'm going to see joy manifested in my life. I'm going to see peace manifested in my life. I'm going to see love moving in my relationships, but I cannot do it without God. But through Christ, I am more than a conqueror, that God has a plan for my life and a purpose. And while the enemy might try to bring people into my life to confuse me and to get me off focus, that I need to focus on my purpose. And that purpose is to love God and to bring Him glory. And so I believe and I declare that we are all more than conquerors and that the best is yet to come. Hey, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I would love for you to subscribe to our show. That way you can not only follow what we're studying at Rise Up, but you can also be a part of this family that God's growing to advance His kingdom. If you're interested in joining the family on our Thursday night service, you can visit www.graceoutreachchurch.org and go to the Rise Up page for more details. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on the Rise Up podcast.